wish I had a mouthful of skeet right now. You amaze me with what you put in your mouth. Broadcasting live from San Antonio, Texas. You're Mexican, you're, uh, you're evil, and you're a loser. A man who takes rants, profanity, and useless information to a whole new level. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's skeet. We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Where is... The skeet, 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 skeet. Now welcome to Skeetopia. And here we go. Oh yeah. Welcome to another edition of Skeetopia. I am the one and only Skeet Almighty, but you, my friends, can call me Josh. Breaking news. Or at least according to Twitter and some of the other bullshit news lines I hear. It said Snooki got married. Oh my god, let's stop the presses. Fuck Ferguson, fuck everything else that's going on in the world. Snooki has gotten married. I think that one thing that pissed me off about reading that was that that fat bitch can actually be in a relationship, get married, get knocked up, and her life is perfectly okay, and yet I'm single? How is that possible? <laughs> What kind of a world do we live in that an ex-Jersey Shore chick has a better life than me? <laughs> it's just sad. It's sad that some of you people really get sucked into all this reality show bullshit. I was having this conversation with my brother the other day. Uh, that most people like watching reality shows for the simple fact that you don't actually have to think about them. Because think about it. I mean, a part of that makes sense. A part of it makes sense is if you go to work Monday through Friday, uh, you work, shit, man, you could work from like 8 to 12 to 16 hours. And it's mundane, and it's the same thing over and over and over again. And I feel for a lot of people that work in cubicles because that shit's crazy. I've done that. I've been there. I've done that. And I hate it, to be quite honest with you. Now, depending on the money, that could be a different story. But if you do this day in and day out, there is going to be a time that you just want to basically shut down your brain and you want to forget about everything. You don't want to have to put... Like, let's just say you're a doctor and you've performed four of... You're, you're, you're a heart transplant specialist and you just performed four... Of the roughest, the hardest, heart, open heart surgeries of the day. And it's really got you beat. You're not going to say to yourself as you're walking out of the hospital and you're getting ready to go home to your family, hey, you know what I'd really like to see? I want to go see that new movie Interstellar for almost four fucking hours. I really, you know what? I've had that kind of a day. I feel like I should put more thought into my life before going to sleep. Nobody says that. Hardly anybody. It is maybe like the, the, the 1% of people that are like, I want to turn on PBS after a long day of work. <laughs> no. There's a lot of people out there, a lot of women, that you watch all this shit. You watch like the Real Housewives of blah, blah, blah. And I'll tell you, I know a lot of housewives, and half of them are not as slutty as uh, half, half the bitches that are on that thing. Just saying. You don't see that often. Or maybe you do. Maybe I'm just hanging out with the wrong uh, housewives. 
If that's the case, holy shit. Well, I need to start getting some new housewife friends. Uh, today on the show, I've got, actually, I've got a great uh, interview. Uh, the, the, the guy's name is Rob. He's the drummer of a very cool band, Nonpoint. What's weird is that Nonpoint has been around for literally, uh, I want to say 16, 17 years, have put out album after album. And I was talking to my uh, good buddy, Frankie, who occasionally co-hosts the show, and he was saying, well, you know... Um, the one question you really need to ask one of the guys from the band is, you know, why so many record labels? Because the band is great. The band is absolutely fucking phenomenal. It's just one of these hard rock bands. Um, I put them all along the same category of like a seven dust where, you know, you are going to go see the certain bands that have been around for a while that are true rock and roll vets. And they're not playing huge stadiums. They're playing clubs, as, as you'll tell in the interview uh, coming up here in a couple of seconds uh, through Rob. Some people like playing smaller venues because there's a certain intimacy to it but i would love to be able to uh talk to dave Grohl again from the foo fighters uh you know a guy like bono from you too where you say to yourself you know you get used to playing these huge stadiums wrigley field in chicago you get used to playing these monster you know uh, uh, where the where the cowboys play i mean th- these places are huge they fit over 105,000 fucking people and we're not talking about festivals we're talking about where it's just like the, the someone like the Foo Fighters or U2 or Metallica, and they play arenas and they play these huge stadiums. There are a lot of phenomenal bands that just do not feel comfortable with that. Now, some are okay with the festival thing because that's a whole different scenario, but going out and doing it themselves, some people aren't that comfortable. It's the intimacy, not an intimidation thing, but more about the intimacy with their diehard fans. And you'll be able to hear that coming up uh, with the drummer. And a a very interesting guy to talk to. His name is Rob. He's the drummer of Nonpoint right now on Skeetopia. All right, what's up, everybody? I'm Josh, broadcasting from Capone's, as always, hanging out with the uh, headlining act, uh, Nonpoint, hanging out with Rob. Rob, how you doing, man? I'm pretty good. How are you? Not too bad. Drums, the drum guy. You know, normally when you talk to the drum guy, that's because nobody else wants to talk to the podcaster. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I, I like it, Whoever can answer the most questions. Yeah. My from my first question was, was meant to be for uh, lead vocalist Elias, because I was wondering, you know, when you see so many people with dreadlocks i wonder if they if he's one of the guys that washes it every day or doesn't wash it for like weeks on end well i, uh, I can stay? definitely answer that for you uh, uh he is probably got the cleanest dreadlocks that i've ever met really any guy has has dreadlocks i mean he constantly he's they're very well taken care of i, I mean i lived with elias for like 10 years when he didn't have dreadlocks so i remember when he was starting them <laughs> They were like little, 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 the little baby, yeah, little baby ones. <laughs> like so. Morgan Rose from yeah. Seven Dust. Yeah, the little baby. But uh, yeah, no, he he takes care of them very well. Wow, look at that! Very very cool, man. The new album is called The Return. Uh, what do you feel you're returning to? Uh, just basically, we're still here. You know, we never really go away. You know, the return. I mean, a lot of people have asked me this question. Makes it has no reference of us returning to something. But it's basically more about the lyrics of the song that um, you have to listen to the lyrics of the song. When Elias wrote the lyrics and he called me, hey, I think this is a good title. It's a song that I wrote. 
and I called it their return the, the song I didn't write but he wrote the lyrics with that title and basically it was I think it's about specific people you know but uh but also you know you can also use it as hey we're never going to be gone we return always you know basically I mean we every two years we put out a record so I mean people could take it different ways but people have said oh you never really went away I said and I'm like well, that's true you know we never do go away I guess well, we're, you, like a, we're like an STD we <laughs> the rock and roll herpes yeah well you guys I mean honestly you said it yourself uh, you're true uh, rock and roll vets, I would say. I mean, 17 years in the game, eight albums under your belt, and a handful of record labels. Can you explain to the fans what it's really like dealing with labels? And two, how did the constant label change affect the band overall? Well, the label changes came about because our first label, MCA, folded. You know, they like went bankrupt, you know, or they just decided not to do it anymore. And Geffen picked it up, and then Geffen picked up the option that MCA was pick, was gonna was supposed to pick up, but then that didn't work out, so we got let go, went over to Lava, and then they went kaput. You know, it's not it wasn't that they dropped nobody dropped us. They folded, so we just kind of the new label that picked them up didn't continue with us, but we technically didn't get dropped from anybody. And then our third label was. Uh, Beeler Brothers, which was our old manager's label, we actually left the label, and then we signed with this uh, another label, 954. Uh, we we formed the label 954 Records in conjunction with this thing called Rocket Science, but it's only one for only one for one record. So we didn't continue. We, it was our choice. We didn't continue with the label. Then we went to Razor and Tie. So how's Razor and Tie tr- uh, treating you guys? Really good. Great staff. Um, same goals as ours, you know, and. and uh, and right now we're currently under Metal Blade Records in Europe, you know, so our record is being distributed, Razor and Titan America and Canada, and in Europe through Metal Blade, Europe, Australia, South America, Japan, stuff like that. So That's great. I mean, so uh, despite, we were talking about here in San Antonio at the particular club we're at, Capone's, um, you mentioned you're used to more intimate shows. For some reason, since I first heard the new album, The Return, it sounds so epic, in in the way it sounds, I just picture a sea of people constantly coming to see the show. Uh, why do you prefer the more intimate setting? Well, I mean, I mean, right now, like this venue we're in right now, it's like a 900 capacity, and I feel like it's a little too big for us. You know, we like we like playing the four or five hundred caps because that's pretty much the numbers that we draw. We draw into the, in those numbers, and and it just looks cooler. You know, it looks like a, a packed club. You know, and when you go into a packed club. You're walking on stage, you see a packed club, you're cool, but you walk in here and see maybe the same amount of people that are at that packed club. It doesn't look packed in a place like this. So I prefer the smaller things, and I'd rather just graduate into the bigger venues. You know, until- you think it, you think it's kind of like maybe a mental thing, an intimidation thing that you maybe in the back of your mind wonder if uh, you're not drawing as many people as you did when technically, as you just said, you probably are. Well, the thing is, is we've never really played huge places we've always played the four or five hundred cap i mean that's just been our career i mean we've never well we used to headline like places like the house of blues in orlando but like maybe 1100 would show up and and then we go to these you gotta think you know we're 17 years in the game like in fort lauderdale we used our hometown our technically our hometown we used to do 15 1600 now we do maybe seven because a lot of those people back in the day have either moved out of Fort Lauderdale or to another place in Florida, moved to another state. We run into so many people all across the country. I used to see you at the Chili Pepper Miami. 
So uh, these people have moved on. So we, you know, we kind of have to constantly get new kids yeah. to like us. I mean, we still do great. We still play our, our the big hometown club, which is uh, Club Revolution in Fort Lauderdale, which is like, you know, like your backstage life here or your house of blues here or whatever you know so but yeah you know i don't know i just like the intimate stuff you know i like playing the bigger play bigger places i like i like playing the festivals because those are packed it would seem like a whole different just i mean the ambiance everything about it would just uh, Fest- festivals is one of my favorite things to do because first of all you you run into so many people that you know that you've toured with over the years it's like a a cool like reunion show in a show you know and uh and it's just I don't know, like, we seem to always go over well at, at all the festivals, and the cool thing is that a lot of the bands always come and watch us, you know, which is really cool when you're playing and you see on the side, you see all the bands, or a me- one member of each band checking you out. It's just a good feeling that they dig that you're a live band. They want to watch that, you know. So. And hopefully they, you know, download the new the album and et cetera, and it kind of introduces people to bands mm-hmm. such as yourself. It's great. <clears throat> Talking with Rob from Nonpoint. I read somewhere you guys have some hip-hop influences like Kendrick Lamar and Eminem. Have you ever thought of trying to do a collaboration with any hip-hop artists, and do you think your fans would be willing to handle something like that? Well, on our first record uh, statement we released in 2000, the last track on that album is called Tribute, and it's three hip-hop songs. There's a Slick Rick, Busta Rhymes, Method Man song that we put as a medley. It's a children's story, Wuha Got You in Check, and the song Method Man. So I, I And still to this day, we get so many requests. We haven't played in a really long time. But uh, I'm open to collaborate with a hip-hop artist. I mean, because honestly, I mean, all of us listen to it. You know, we yeah. like it. I li- I'm more akin to the older school hip-hop, like Wu-Tang Clan, House of Pain, old BC Boys, stuff like that, old Biggie, uh, Snoop, Dr. Dre, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, Elias listens to a lot to that stuff. He listens to a lot of the newer stuff, like Drake and all this stuff. I don't listen to any of the newer stuff. Uh, actually, but my favorite hip-hop band is uh, La Coca Nostra, which is uh, guys from House of Pain with uh, this guy named Slane. And there's this other dude, I can't remember his name, uh... So they're all, it's a really cool, just gangster hip-hop, you know, it's not oh, I love real that. street stuff, you know. I, I'm right there with you, man. I, I'm, you know, maybe I'm aging myself, but I'm not as into the newer hip-hop as I am the old school gangster. Well, my, my issue with newer hip-hop is like when you, it's not the music or nothing, you know, but I think to me, hip-hop, the old school rap stuff was, was about struggle and was about, I mean, you know, about the things they went through in their life like life experiences like you listen to nwa and old wu-tang and stuff like that and speaking some real issues but you see these hip-hop artists they, they already got chains and they look like they've they've been rich their whole life it's like the first they're already rich you look at those old videos they look like they're from the street you know like they just that's just my take i mean i have nothing against new but i just to me i just prefer the older so it was more real to me so well, uh, speaking of realism, I think the one thing I always liked about not only hip-hop but rock bands in general is older artists, whether it's hip-hop or rock, these are the guys who used to bust out the cassettes in the back of the car. I mean, you were out there pushing. You were selling them. You were the merch people. You were the people that were going out and trying to get a local radio station to put you on the show. True. Nowadays, you have... Uh, the internet has changed the game a thousandfold. It's and a necessary evil. 
It really is, man. Okay, let's talk about the, let's talk about the first single, "Breaking Skin." Mm-hmm. Tell us a little about the song and why was it chosen as the first single, and what would you say is your personal addiction, if you have any at all? Uh, collecting vinyl is my personal addiction, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't have any vices or anything like that. I don't do drugs. I don't drink. You know, I don't really have any addiction. I mean, uh, uh, the addiction is my mu- the music. You know, the love for the band and love for what I do. I wouldn't be doing this for 17 years if yeah. I wasn't addicted to it. But, uh, I mean, the song was chosen first thing. Like, when we were writing it, I mean, before we even went to Johnny K to record this, we had in our mind, man, this is just, this is the song, you know. We just had it in our head already. Even management, like, when they listened to us, man, this is a single right here. And the label felt it the same way. Once we got it to Johnny, he made some tweaks, and then when it really became a single, it's like, wow, this is really cool. It just has probably the most infectious chorus that Eliza's ever written. You know, it's got that thing that when I listen to it, it's like it sticks in my head. You know, it's, it's hypnotic. Like, yeah, I mean, so he definitely he did a killer job on that chorus. Breaking Skin. If you had uh, two songs off the new album, uh, The Return that you enjoy not only playing live but just personally uh what would they be and why actually we're playing breaking skin pins and needles and fucked on this tour pins and needles and fucked are just fun to play i mean they're they're live songs you can see the kids and listening to it when we play fucked up world uh the kids who never even heard the song live says that quite a few times in the song they're already singing it you know, it's like, it's pretty cool, you know. I like all the songs on the record, but these three, it's just, they're they're catchy. They just have that catchiness. They're heavy. It shows a lot of versatility of the band and kind of where we're at musically, so that's why I enjoy them. So. Uh, final question. Let's talk about Shiprocked. It's February 2nd through the 6th, and you're teamed up with some, I mean, some amazing artists are on this thing. How did you get hooked up with this rock and roll cruise? And out of all the artists on the bill, are there any that you're really looking forward to seeing and or possibly hanging out with? Um, we did Ship Rock this past February, so this is our second year in a row. Uh, we have been requested to do that for a while, and I didn't know that the fans were felt so strongly about us being on there. And... Um, we make great relationships with the people that run Shape Rock. They're actually, they're some of our best friends now. We talk to them outside of music. You know, we just say, hey, how you doing type of deal. You know, we became friends. And as far as uh, the bands, I mean, I'm looking for seeing Limbiscuit. You know, we saw we actually just saw play with Limbiscuit in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And it's probably the most amazing show I've seen in the last five years. Really? Yeah, they're just... One of the probably top five live bands to ever come out in the Roxy. And I know people will probably feel weird all in Biscuit. You know, I'm still questioning it. Really? Wow. There's no following that band. If you're a band playing after Limp Biscuit, like when I told the guys, every single band playing after Limp Biscuit needs to just pack up and leave. That's it. For real. Just go. Go home. Because they, he... Fred Durst knows how to work a crowd, and he schooled everybody. I mean, every single person in that place, that place turned into a mosh pit, like a gigantic mosh pit. From You're talking about 10,000 people going absolutely nuts out there. Wow. And it was something I hadn't seen. That's what's missing in rock. 
I hate that there's no fucking mosh pits anymore. It drives me insane. Yeah, that, that's something that uh, I call it the pussification of America, that people are afraid to get uh, injured in a good way. They're not necessarily yeah, getting out of fist clubs, fight. But a, a lot clubs. of clubs don't want to get sued. But you know what? You put up a sign that says, hey, mosh at your own risk. Yeah. And, and it says it right there. It says, hey, we're not responsible. We put signs out. Like last night, there's signs all over the club. Moshing and the last night was insane. The, the moshing was sick the whole night. It was great, but uh, I, I I agree with the pussification of things, you know. And but yeah, and I'm looking forward to. I mean, we have a lot of friends on there. We have Buck Cherry. We've known for a long time. Uh, we're friends with the Seven Dust Seven Dust guys. Uh, that is from the fire. We actually just toured with them. Islander was supposed to be on it, but now they're doing uh, the Papa Roach store, so that kind of interferes. Uh, Filters on there. You know any Filter, of the guys? I know the guy. We toured with Filter. Um, Gemini Syndrome's on it. Um, Icon for Hire, who, who I know as well. Uh, Metal Allegiance, which just fell on Selmo, and I was uh, super stoked <laughs> to see that. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited, man. Plus, I get to bring my family. I didn't, I didn't get to bring my family because my wife was pregnant uh, the last time I was doing So now I'm bringing my, my two kids and my wife, too. So it's a free vacation, and I get to play music and see great music. You know, Hell, yeah. With my family. With so family. you can't you can't can't go wrong with anything. Like no, that, absolutely so. not. And uh, for anybody, if you got the cash, it was actually on the website early, earlier today. Uh, still some room. You can go by. You can pick up uh, some tickets. Go see some tremendous bands shipped rocked. Uh, this year, it's on uh, the website. Uh, the new album is called The Return. It's out. Pick it up. My man Rob from Nonpoint. Thank you, man, for hanging with me. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Man, we're living in a world. Man, we're living in a fucked up world. I don't care what you think, what you eat, what you drink, what you wear, what you care about the world.
fucked up world Activation complete. Fucking Windows 98. You can follow Skitopia on Facebook and Twitter. Search Skitopia and check out all and things Skeet and All right. Big round of applause for Rob. See, I told you it was interesting to me talking to the guy where he was like, you know, this club almost seems too big. And I kept looking at the club going, shit, you, you know. Maybe a thousand people. I mean, it's a decent looking club. Uh, but I always felt, you know, if you're going to be in a band, why not do something, you know? Uh, shoot, aim for the stars, man. Unless, of course, you're making money. Like, if you're making money, last week I talked about the merch booth. Look, the merch booth uh, at the same show, by the way, uh, that I was talking about. Because uh, next week I'm going to have Mikey. Uh, that opened up for Nonpoint. He's in a band called Islander, a great band, great interview, very different, a little religious. I don't want some of you people getting too uh, too crazy on me. You start wondering, uh-oh, Josh is interviewing these Christian bands now. Calm down. It's not like all of a sudden he busted into a sermon and asked me to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. No, it wasn't anything like that. See, that's all a misconception. That's why you got to listen next week for the show. Uh, but uh, please, uh, uh, thank you once again, Rob. You were a great interview uh, until we were slightly interrupted. That's the beauty of, of doing a podcast. I can edit out some of the bullshit that was there. Uh, the guys from Gemini Syndrome uh, with Gandalf, the, uh, uh, the, he's an albino and he's a fucking douchebag. Uh, and I almost don't want to get into it and rip into him uh, for the simple fact that I would like to interview him and then just fucking slam him. Like, just humiliate him. Keep calling him Gandalf. Keep calling him Milky. Hey, Powder, how you doing? How's that band of yours? Boy, the band sounds really good, but then you jump on the mic and you act like a fucking moron. Like, I'd like the guy to walk out of the interview. That's kind of my goal. So I don't want to completely ruin it. So fuck him. Oh, but the guys from Islander are very cool. So uh, next week, Mikey, you got to talk to him about that. Uh, before I wrap up Skitopia, you know, I was talking to a couple of buddies of mine and they were saying, you know, you always go off on these rants about certain topics, uh, certain serious topics when you're wrapping up the show. And uh, a part of me didn't want to get into the Ferguson thing because I've spoken, I've spoken about certain topics, uh, race related and cop related topics uh, throughout my career. Uh, hosting Skitopia and being on commercial radio throughout the country. I've spoken on stuff like this. Uh, the one thing that pisses me off, I will say, in general, is the people protesting. You know, if Martin Luther King was alive today and he saw the bullshit that went down when the verdict uh, that, the, that uh, the police officer, Darren Wilson, uh, had basically... You know, they saw it as defeat. 
the grand jury, you know, he didn't get indicted. That's it. The law was set. It's there. That's just the way the law is. So suddenly people said, well, the law needs to change now. Things need to change for the better. And I, then they started rioting. Now, it wasn't like the L.A. riots back in 1992 where all of a sudden hip-hop stars were saying, look, I mean, police brutality in Los Angeles has been going on for years, and the fact that the news has turned a blind eye to it uh, remains shocking. Then you had school shootings, and suddenly when in Colorado, when stuff like that happened, people, uh, white people were just in fucking awe. They were like, oh, my God, not where the white kids go. So I'll tell you two things. Actually, I'm going to tell you three things before I wrap up this show. Number one, uh, Darren Wilson was acquitted. That's it. He's done. But it just came out that he is officially retired. He doesn't want to be a police officer anymore. He stepped down. He's 28 years old. He announced his resignation from the Ferguson Police Department on Saturday afternoon. He cited concerns for the safety of other police officers on the force as his main motivation for stepping down. Okay. I understand that. I understand that some people, uh, you know, you're not just pulling people over for a ticket. You're not just uh, handing out jaywalking tickets. You're not, uh, you know, if you catch some asshole going 45 miles an hour in a school zone, it's not little shit like that. Every once in a while, in for, throughout the country of police officers I've spoken to, it's very rare that you have to draw your weapon. But when you draw your weapon, you have there is a good chance you're going to have to wind up using it. The guy just so happened to be black. You know, this kid, Michael Brown, 18 years old. I mean, a lot of stuff came out where he was allegedly robbed some store just before he got into this scuffle with the cop and wound up getting shot. I don't know. Look, it's it's sad that that an 18-year-old kid, I don't care if he's white, black, Asian, alien, Indian, Native American, whatever. I don't care about any of that. I don't care about... race, religion, I don't give a shit about any of that. What it boils down to, is the guy innocent or is the kid guilty? Not that one. And it went to court and look, the guy got, you know, he, he was cleared. But he decided he had to leave. So I thought to myself, okay, you know what, Darren? Uh, Darren Wilson, the former uh, Ferguson, Missouri police officer. I thought to myself, okay, yeah, do what you got to do. But then I read this article. According to ABC News, Mayor James Knowles announced on Sunday that Wilson will not get a payout of any sort from Ferguson, including any type of benefits. There was some speculation that he received money or a promise of money at a later date to call it quits, but that rumor has been dispelled with today's announcement. Well, it would be Sunday's announcement. This seems like complete and utter bullshit to me. Number one, I didn't know a mayor could just basically pop up and say, you know what? Yeah, you quit. 
And we're not going to give you any money. That's it. Uh, you resigned. Uh, you don't get shit. That's it. They, you don't hear that often, which suddenly had me think, you know, the conspiracy theorist of myself. I started to think, okay, so maybe a lot of these guys knew something that the rest of the public did not know. Because now I ask the question, uh, so Darren... <laughs> Buddy, you resigned thinking you were going to get some cash just to kind of fly under the radar. Now, all of a sudden, the mayor stepped in and said, you're not getting shit. You don't get any benefits. You don't get any retirement. You don't get any payout whatsoever. You're gone. You're out. You step down. See ya. Seems rare to me. It seemed there, there seemed there is more beneath there's more to this story than I think we're leading on. And I it's the one thing that I hope that the media researches enough to figure out why. Because it seems stupid to me. There are police officers around the United States that have shot minorities before and have resigned. And they received their benefits and they received their compensation and they moved on with their life and people just forgot all about him. Much like most people are going to forget about Darren Wilson. But in light of situations that have just happened, now I think, okay, now there's, this seems incredibly fishy to me. There seems like there's more to the story that people are not saying. And I'm one of the guys that is beyond curious. I want to know. So what's going on here? Why is that? Second of all, about the Ferguson thing, uh, look, the riots. The minute they found out he was not being indicted, the fucking town went apeshit. They started looting black-owned buildings, white-owned buildings, throwing shit at cops. The cops got overzealous and started shooting beanbags. There was a story that one of these shotgun beanbags actually took out a, a, a young woman's eye that whole thing is just a fucking nightmare. And I think to myself, if Martin Luther King Jr. was alive today and he saw that, he would be rolling over in his grave. He wouldn't. Why can't you? Look, I have nothing against being the person that you want to protest. You're pissed off. Yes, we need to protest. You protest because it's not right. Something is not right. You know, when gays and lesbians and all this and they do their protest, they protest because they... they truly believed that gay marriage should be legal. When people protest that certain laws should be enacted, it's because they probably should be, or people should be looking into them. You with me? A peaceful protest. Martin Luther King Jr., he never, you know, he was no Malcolm X that said, okay, you know what, we're just going to start shooting other people. We're going to get violent. Now, violence is never the answer when you're trying to deliver a message. On Sunday's uh, St. Louis Rams, some of the guys came out with their hands up. Okay, that's a protest. I get it. I understand. There's nothing wrong with protesting as long as you do it right, but there is always going to be some fucking douchebag out there that will take advantage and say, hey, man, fuck it. I'm going to get myself some free beer. I'm going to get myself a TV. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to do. You, sir or ma'am, are 
a disgrace to your race, whoever you are. Black, Mexican, whatever. Shit, man, I was thinking to myself, you know, back in the day in 92, the 92 riots, uh, Asian stores, there were guys with uh, fucking machine guns shooting at people saying, you're not going to burn down this store. I was kind of surprised at the same thing. And I was also surprised, my final point before I wrap up the show, was that I was surprised there was not enough hip hop stars that said, look, stepped in. In 92, you had Ice Cube, Ice-T, Public Enemy, all these hip-hop artists that were saying, look, this is something we don't rap about subjects just to be colorful. This is shit that is going down all the time. It is a war against minorities and the police officers. Police officers are here to protect and serve, and they're not. Now, that was in 92. Here we are in 2014, where most hip-hop artists are very much talking about bling and, you know, shaking that ass and everything else. And there just wasn't a whole lot of protest about that. I found that weird and sad because there are many young people that can be influenced by hip-hop artists especially in a situation as sad as the Ferguson situation. So so there you go. I, I, that, that's all I really wanted to say about that. Once again, a uh, big thank you to Rob from Nonpoint, please. Uh, go to the website, nevergetlaid.com. Tons of great sh- uh, shots from that show. Uh, next week, I'm going to have Mikey from Islander. It's going to be on the show. Uh, follow along on Twitter, at Skeetopia. Subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. All you got to do is search Skeetopia. Look, man, spread the word. I, I like the fact you favor it. That's cool. But I would rather you retweet and then have other people that are fans go ahead and subscribe as well. Because it's a good goddamn show. All right, you guys take care. Stop looting, morons. My hands are up, by the way. I'm out of here. Thanks for the night to the planet.